Welcome to Think Like a Penguin, The Art of Flying. This is the podcast to help you think outside the box, live more confidently against the grain and become your more authentic self. Penguins don't traditionally fly, but what's to say they won't one day? Hello, I hope you enjoy this episode. Just before you start to listen, please note that it was recorded with myself stood in a cricket field. It's a little bit windy and Sarah is in the UK. So apologies if the sound quality is not what you are used to. Also, after recording, Sarah sent me two separate little messages. So I'll just say those and you can slot those into your memory and your mind as we speak about the different topics. She said, I feel my lack of description of the ocean was wrong. It's the monotony of being offshore which becomes the challenge when your world shrinks to a base, a few basic tasks a day and all you have is the ocean, the sky and your crewmates for entertainment and company. It's a remarkable place to be, nevertheless. So you will hear that Sarah has single-handedly rowed around the Atlantic and sailed multiple times around the Atlantic. So that is in reference to that. And another point which has only just struck me is when you said that you'll walk the length of the UK. And the fact that you've now said it means that you have to do it. That's largely how my odd adventures have come about. I've said I'll do something, so I have to crack on with it. Accountability and showing up for your dreams. Uh, Yeah, this woman is extremely motivational, inspirational and adventurous and I think we have quite a similar outlook on life and she just wanted to make those two points. So slot those in into your mind's eye as you listen to this episode and I hope you enjoy. Hello, hello. Hello, how are you? Hi Sarah, I am well, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you, good. Excellent. Thank you for joining me. I am going to set the scene. I'm currently stood in the middle of a cricket field because I'm about to do cricket training. And um, similarly, I mean, you're probably not in a cricket field, but I'm really excited to have you on because of your sporting accolades and your passion for both sport and art. Um, And I'm going to get you to introduce yourself and just sort of set the scene as to why you think maybe I wanted to have this chat with you and um, inspire all the listeners because I think you're amazing and I barely know you. I've only met you once. But who are you? Um, if that's all right, we'll jump straight in and then we'll get chatting. Are you, you going to be playing cricket during this? No. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not like on the boundary, kind of <laughs> ready to chase the ball. I've got training in about 40 minutes and save not being coming to training, I thought I'll come down early start recording hope the wind isn't too windy and um and then I'll be I can jump straight in shoes on and get straight started yeah awesome awesome I love it I love a full day um (laughs) yeah so um yeah we had the pleasure of meeting recently when you were over in the UK and a neighbor of mine brought you around to my studio um and we had a great time in the studio playing with paint and chatting uh and we sort of accidentally touched on my um yeah sporting past um where I did a lot of sailing uh offshore sailing um which means out in the middle of oceans and seas and things um not on land for days at a time uh and then it sort of somehow evolved into me rowing across the Atlantic Ocean uh in a team of four women um and that was in 2016 um have you shared your story around that yet have you kind of because that's incredible when I heard that you'd done that and I don't know any details about it of which we will get into I was thinking 
wow, you must be like famous in the sort of sailing world, if not the bigger picture. Because has that been, have you documented that or shared that story lots um, of times or well, it's we... just sort of a thing that people do in the sailing <laughs> world? <laughs> um, the sailing side of it, it was a job. So I was a full-time yacht crew member. So there's nothing really spectacular about that. Um, some people might be familiar with the Below Deck um, series, um, which is a type of yachting lifestyle. I was on sailing and race boats, so we're a bit different. But essentially, uh, we spent half the year in the Caribbean, half the year in the Mediterranean. And it, yeah, it's not particularly special. It's an industry which people work in um and it's good fun um but the row is a bit more niche um fewer people have uh rode the atlantic oceans and have gone into space so yeah we're, we're oh quite, my gosh we're quite wow that's a really cool fact a special breed we're not famous um and i don't think (laughs) i'm probably not wealthy from it either i imagine there's i don't know because actually we'll take a step back what you just said blew my mind when i first heard it last week or a couple of weeks ago and you said you row oh sorry you sailed on behalf of your boss who owned the sailboat but didn't ever use it like you just you, you just sort of sailed it for sailing it point I don't know. Explain how that can be a career for those that are as surprised by that statement as I was when I first heard it. Yeah. So what does that look like? The yachting industry is um, a pretty wealthy one, and th- uh, there are boat owners who are often very successful individuals um, who are more cash rich and time poor, so they have their toys which can be motorboats or boats or planes or whatever and they obviously all of these toys need maintaining and taking around the world so we were a crew various crews i worked with various boats um who would take these boats to the destinations that the owners wanted to sail or race them or cruise them um and that yeah involved crossing the atlantic ocean um with the boats that i was on we would either be in Antigua or Parma. Um, so we have to do 3,000 miles across the ocean twice a year. Um, and, and I'm then... assuming it's cheaper or more cost-effective to have a crew on board all year round, getting it from A to B, rather than just take it out of the ocean, plonk it in transit, I don't know, across land or something. I guess I'm, <laughs> I guess I am talking about a boat here, so of course it makes more sense to... I'm just wondering why a crew is needed all year round rather than they just use it as and when these very wealthy individuals want to jump on board. Um, So a lot of these boats are enormous. We're talking um, 100 foot plus. So the only real way you can get them around the world is to sail them. There are some um, shipping contractors who will take these these larger boats around the world, but yeah it's it's better for them to be sailed really you can't really leave these boats unattended they're complicated they run a lot of systems so you never really switch them off which means you need crew on there the whole time and anyone who's ever lived on a boat or owned a boat knows how much maintenance goes into a boat uh, it's yeah. not more than just a house um so yeah we we had to live on board this racing boat i had a little cab i didn't even have a cabin i lived at the nav station had a little bunk there and there's a galley on board and heads which is where you go to the loo and shower but yeah its main purpose was to sail around the place so how 
um, I'm just going to fire some one answer questions at you. How long did you do that for? Um, on the super yachts, so they're known as super yachts, I was about five years across three different boats. And, and then... um, was that your plan to go into that? Was that your post sort of education? I'm going to go into that line of work. No. Or you fell into it. No, Explain if you can what your plan was and then how you ended up doing quite an unusual job. I've never met someone whose um, job was to sail and, and you know. Um, I've never had a plan and I don't really believe in plans. Um, you and me both. I love that. <laughs> a fellow non-planner over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I studied English literature at uni. Um, like a very average person I got a 2-1 in English literature and I wasn't particularly driven in any direction so I just googled what you could do with English literature degree and PR came up so I moved to London I worked in a PR consultancy but I really did not fit in at all these um there's an office primarily or company of about 40 people primarily women who wore stilettos and tailored trousers and sort of complicated blouses that needed ironing and things like that. So just just aesthetically, I did not fit in. Um, mm. But also, <laughs> professionally, I didn't fit in. These people were very driven, committed, um, sort of hungry to succeed, all these things that I'm really not. So there was just sort of me, a little mess in the corner. <laughs> not really knowing what to do and a friend of mine um phoned me up one day and said uh, I was actually in the office and he said I'll just sail across the Atlantic Ocean with us our crew's leaving in a few weeks and we need someone and so I said <sighs> okay oh my god that is amazing <laughs> really- I love I love that about if you don't have a plan and I think that is there's a sort of beauty in approaching life in that way obviously there's drawbacks to that you are available you're open yeah. you're you there's there's always a yes there and you can you can turn at any point go in any direction even that's how I met you it's not obviously it's not on such a grand scale as a career change but I ordered a golf grip from my cousin and didn't even realize as I was ordering it that it was from his company and then I realized I'd not seen him since we were both adults and he said do you want to come on down come on down for the weekend be by the ocean and because I was in the UK with no plans yeah cool okay great and I experienced such a wonderful weekend just from having a no plan approach to life obviously it's not going to suit everyone but I think it's when these little kind of nuggets of life advice and wisdom come up it's important just to um, encourage people to give that a go if they're really regimented and really stuck in their ways sometimes that can be holding you back a bit I guess and and I mean that you miss out on these opportunities um because you're too stuck to um too much structure I don't think is a good thing always absolutely yeah and I I think um the world that I've found myself moving in with the the row and the sailing is full of people yes people that just yeah go with whatever opportunity crops up um and they they they've got a really lovely energy about them um, they don't see the negatives. They they don't question things too much. They just jump in and <laughs> hope for the best. And um, blind ignorance is often a, a really good method, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's definitely how I approach most of my career life. Kind of, yeah. Even doing a pod, starting a podcast a year ago, no idea what I was doing. Never done it before. People are like, oh, how did you do that? Where did you do it? And just thought, I just did it. 
I'm not even really actually sure of how I did it or how I do it. I'm still figuring it out. But yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, yeah. So you ended up on your yachts. I really want to get to the um, the race you did or the specific event you did with the four of you, the four women, and how that came about. And um, was that a charity thing? Was that driven by one of you? Did you come up with a collective? Did you know these women? If you can paint the picture of how that all happened and, and how it went for you, that would be great. So the row, this was, I was rowing across the Atlantic Ocean. So up until that point, I'd sailed primarily in mixed teams. Um, it's a male-dominated world, the sailing world. Um, isn't every, isn't the world? Male-dominated. <laughs> bit, bit of a dig there at men, but isn't everything in the world male-dominated? No, at the well, moment? My other interest is ballet, and that's very. Oh, there we go. Okay, there's <laughs> so one for the women, one for the ladies. Yeah. Good at that. Um, so, and I also did coach the first women's Arabian offshore race team, but that's a whole other story. Oh, wow. Um, uh, so the row came about because I ended up working and living in Oman, coaching the women's Arabian offshore race team, and when that contract ended I didn't really have anywhere to go um, and I'd stepped out of the super yacht industry by that point and sort of become a bit more familiar with um, living in a house rather than on a boat so I thought oh I'll pop back to the UK and see what happens so I came home and I got a job in London again um, and within about six months actually I was my boyfriend then boyfriend, now husband, he was in the military and he was deployed. So I, I was in London with my partner away, getting a bit bored. Um, and I started thinking about my next adventure and rowing the Atlantic Ocean sort of cropped up. I must have been, I think I was chatting to someone who'd done it. Um, and I thought, yeah, that sounds quite cool. And then I love that. Of... I love that you're like, yeah, sure, why not? Just row the whole thing. Like, less, less people have done that than gone to space. And you're like, yeah, sure. That sounds like a great, great shout. Good for me. Yeah. Wow. Well, he, he had done a bit of sailing and he'd rowed this chap. And he said, well, it's probably easier to row it than sail it. So you'll find it easier. I was like, well, I, I can do that then. Um, but my, hus- my husband being away, I was getting a bit annoyed my boyfriend at the time yeah it's gonna be annoyed that he was away so much and I thought well I, I it, it was almost a retaliation yeah um, oh I love that because <laughs> yeah. everyone would ask me how his deployment was going so, what about me and my adventure so that yeah it was, oh that's um, amazing my rebellious streak came out yeah um we got a crew together because another friend was in a similar situation she liked taking on adventures she's more of a mountaineer so she was keen to give it a go and uh, she had another friend who she'd met climbing or walking in Pakistan so she jumped on board we had a fourth crew member who wasn't quite the right fit so we dropped her and strangely some people that I knew when I was out in Oman uh, the girl in that couple um, who was a friend said oh if you ever need a fourth crew member on your row I'd be keen to do it and she was a she was a flat water rower so you know Henley and that kind of thing yeah because that's what I'm picturing sorry to butt in but when you say row I used to do a bit of rowing at school and then I did a bit when I came to Perth obviously you're not talking one of them boats because you would be absolutely tossed over in the first half an hour so presumably the same is it double skull 
um, or single skull, and then just a much broader, wider boat, much bigger setup. Is that is that sort of what the and you need all your sleeping stuff and your meals and things, I guess, as well. So how how does it look if you were to see your crew on the water? So we had up to three rowing seats available to us. Um, we used two at a time. Um, and then at the bow, the front of the boat was a little cabin that you could crawl into and sleep in. Um, you could just about get two people in there if needed. And then at the stern was an even smaller cabin with all of our nav equipment and the ability to sleep in there as well. So the whole thing was about 21 foot long and probably four foot wide. Um, wow. So much smaller Tiny. than any of the, the, the other ocean crossings I'd done. The smallest I'd done it on was an 80 footer. Um, yacht with sails and you know galley and heads and everything so this was really back to basics think camping yeah but but like think of a one-man tent wow (laughs) you really had to get on with your crew then didn't you because there was no getting away from them for um how long did it take actually in total was it what's um, i have no idea so we took 55 days to do ours wow Um, the record, I don't know what the record is, is probably low 30s. Um, and continuous rowing. So there was always two of you. Was it one um, oar each or two oars each on each? Obviously two, one or two each, two one each side. Two oars each. Um, yeah, and we rowed for a pattern of two hours on, two hours off. So wow. you got on the seat and you rowed for two hours. 50 um, plus days straight. That's yeah. amazing. You never stop there was always someone rowing we the only time we stopped was when we we're in storms um where the sea state and the weather just meant we could not make progress in the right direction so you know we were going backwards quicker than we could row forwards so, so would that... you then lose I'm, I'm asking so many questions because there's so much i'm like did you lose time did you lose distance did you have to re-row parts did you ever feel like your life was in danger the boat was going to get flipped like I've been even on a ferry like a commercial ferry when it's slightly choppy and I I worry for my life um yeah 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 so yeah we did have to re-row a few sections but not massively we had something called a para anchor which is like a massive parachute on a 50 meter line or something like that that it, bear in mind that the Atlantic Ocean is three miles deep, so you're never going to be able to anchor. But this parachute could sort of slow down our backwards progress. Wow! Um, so we sort of just paused when the storms hit and went backwards a little bit, or we went a bit too far south occasionally. But yeah, just sort of had to sit those out. So you went in your cabin or sat on deck and got hammered by storms and waves um and then when it cleared you got very again did you ever feel like your life was in danger did you have you know how high was the tallest wave that you endured or sat through um we reckon about 40 foot <gasps> tell oh much, my much god bigger than yeah a house i suppose I don't know. um yeah it's quite daunting yeah um, yeah, it is. You you do feel vulnerable. Um, there there are risks taking, but you also you learn to manage those risks, and you are aware of those risks, and you're prepared for them. 
so you just adapt to your conditions and you you do the next best thing you can do and if that means sitting and waiting out a storm while you get tossed around then that's what you do um the boat is built to survive an ocean you've just got to hang on to it i love that as a metaphor actually for um for life often when we're we're overwhelmed or there's a struggle or a problem or you know chaos some people will do their absolute hardest just to fight it to work it out to come up with a solution when actually sometimes the best thing is just to like you say sit it out wait know that we are as humans equipped to deal with whatever life throws at us and we've just got to sometimes be more patient and less active is the best option versus yeah moving acting doing which is hard to do that's a, it's a real there's a real task uh, sorry real sort of um strength in sitting in vulnerability but i think that's a beautiful yeah. metaphor yeah yeah it means you cope with stress differently when you get back ashore because you think well yeah my life's pretty busy and stressful but none of this is going to kill me yeah no it's all perspective isn't it oh that's Absolutely. brilliant yeah <laughs> Oh, amazing so what were some highlights in terms did you see any incredible creatures did you have like just breathtaking presumably the scenery was extraordinary maybe some sunrises anything that sticks in mind that um because we're about to get on to your art career and obviously being a visual artist I'm sure there was some breathtaking scenery yeah the ocean's pretty um bland I guess um <laughs> <laughs> that is not what i expected you to say considering you paint with blues and you represent the ocean really beautifully but there we go because <laughs> just another day on the ocean i spent that long and i you know years of my life i've been afloat with there there is nothing out there it's i i currently live in pool harbor and the scenery is stunning whereas when you're on the ocean you've got the sky and the sea and that is it yes the colors are stunning yeah um, and all of that but really there's not a huge amount now. um we did see whales dolphins turtles we i think we hit a shark or something <gasps> oh wow gosh so it's difficult to see what it was um saw lots of shipping well i say lots probably every other day or so we might see a ship yeah. um yeah awesome i I, I worked with an incredible guy when I was yachting and um, in my early days of yachting I'd be taking photos of the sunsets because I found them so beautiful um, and he'd just turn to me and say it's just another sunset because you become, you become immune to the beauty of it I guess because you, you see it day in day out um, yep. but yes we always saw the sunrise we always saw the sunset and they yeah they are stunning and there's there's a real sense of peace out on the ocean there is no complication nothing's going to interrupt you and your thoughts um you can just sort of footle along with you and the elements um and there's a real peace in just knowing what you have to do and just doing it because I do a lot of walking and take sort of yeah. a, a really lightweight camping setup and I can walk for days on end and knowing that the only thing I have to do is put one foot in front of the other is there's a real comfort in that and I think that's that's a beautiful thing when you just have a that's probably why people get really good at a career because they get really proficient at it and really efficient and they just do it they're just one thing after another that they know that they need to do this and it's, it's yeah really um there is some nice sort of comfort in that however I do think it's important to remember what we need to be grateful for like recognizing a beautiful sunset and not take it for granted because I think in 
we yeah in life we kind of take we get to a point where oh well just another sunset but I do that with a lot of my students is is let them um, choose one thing a day they're grateful for and it might be something that they've had every day for their lives but it's important to keep reminding ourselves um, of all the things that we once found beautiful that we might take for granted now. Oh absolutely it's such a privilege to be out there um, yeah. and you, all of us had lived in cities at some point and we you know we, we think back to being on the dusty tube in the morning you know that was our commute rather than going from our little cabin onto our rowing seat and rowing for two hours it, it was an, yeah a real privilege to be out there. Yeah so that brings us a nice little segue to mm. capturing your experience on canvas and um I know at the moment it's sort of a part-time job career, part-time hobby, fascination, um, talent that you have. But you so beautifully depict your um, boats and your um, the water that you find so bland. <laughs> you <laughs> depict it really beautifully on canvas. So um, tell me a little bit about your creative journey. Have you always been um, creative? Have you always enjoyed using paint as a medium? Um, fill me in. Um, yeah, I suppose I have always been creative, did art A-level, um, did creative writing for a bit at uni, I went and did a silksmithing night school, so I made jewellery for a while, um, and then it was lockdown, and we were renovating our house, and I was pregnant, so I, for some reason, well, for various reasons, I just couldn't take my silversmith tools with me, so... I took my paintbrushes, which I hadn't used for years, and in lockdown started painting, um, because I was furloughed as well. And someone saw one of my paintings online and they bought it. And that's sort of how my art took off. Um, and the very first pieces that I painted were of the horizon. Um, and there's something I find really enchanting and mysterious about the concept of a horizon um mm. it is unobtainable um so you, you will never reach this horizon but you're always if you're on the ocean you're always sailing towards it um so it's a sort of area of comfort that you look towards i guess um and i don't know if you've heard of something called the green flash um no i haven't actually in old sort of sailing folklore, when a sailor dies, the sea takes their soul. And when the sun is setting, there's a moment just before it dips below the horizon where sometimes there is a flash of green that you'll see. And that is thought to be the sailor's soul slipping into the waves. And this just, I find it so enchanting. So I painted horizons for a long time. Have you seen um, the green flash yourself? Yeah, yeah, a couple of times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll have to look out for it next time I'm, I'm down at South Beach in Perth. That's lovely. I've yeah. never heard of that. You, you tend to get it mid-ocean. You tend not to, if you're on land. Oh, I've yeah. never heard of anyone seeing it on land. I don't know. Um, but there's just something so mysterious and lovely about it. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I think that there's a real if you are a sailor there is a real connection with the sea and the thought of your soul living beneath the waves or being released by the waves or whatever it is I just adore so yeah I painted horizons for a while and then 
um, started moving into boats as well. So I paint a lot of people's boats, um, which is quite fun because there are lots of different types of boats. Um, so I, ba- I paint prizes for big regattas. I, ba- I paint portraits. I paint the Jurassic Coast, which is sort of where we live. So um, people want the scenery that they, they know so well in painting form on their walls. And I paint big canvases, not as big as your work, but I do enjoy a big canvas with palette knife work. Um, I believe that most artists start table size and then they get a bigger table and then they start propping it up and then easel size. And I believe that every artist eventually gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Very rarely do people stick the same size canvas or smaller. So you'll be painting walls in no time. I I imagine you'll be doing your mural, your mural and paintings probably next year. If you keep going the way you're going. Yeah. 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 That's a really interesting thought, isn't it? Because, yeah, the canvases do... Like, I'm looking around, I'm in my studio now, and, yeah, it's, I've got one of the biggest canvases I've ever done sitting behind me, and the next one will be larger. Yeah. yeah. I feel um, like the, the canvas itself almost gets too small to contain or house the creation. Like, it just... Like, the art just wants to actually just spill over, like, go bigger and bigger and bigger. You see some artists who have the the frame and then the artwork deliberately the paint like goes outside the frame and then even onto the back of the wall um and yeah that who knows that could happen with your work as well um yeah i wonder whether it's a confidence thing as well you start little and then you you start experiment and you yeah you want a bit more space and 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 as you grow in confidence yeah you can just grow yeah it's an interesting concept isn't it yeah, and we spoke about potentially going full-time for you because you're part-time working at a, a sailing club near you and then part-time um, or the other half of the time doing um, your artwork and then obviously your mother as well. So busy times for you. I'm going to, um, with that, nice, another segue, with obviously everyone's busy, life's busy. All my teammates have just arrived at cricket and they're looking at me like, what is she doing? Um, <laughs> but I'm going to ask you, um any future adventures or any future plans you strike me as someone that would always have a little niggling goal or a little a little adventure um lined up so what's what's in store for you coming up absolutely yeah um i'm planning the next adventure um it's going to be a bit different and it's going to involve my dog um oh wow i, I think I think we're going to do some walking. Can um, I come? I'm just, yeah. I'm totally just in like third wheeling, inviting myself on a podcast. But as soon yeah. as you said walking, because I am obsessed with walking and I just want to, I was actually going to walk the length of the country and every day paint um, a little sketch and um, make then a book of uh, like a the whole length of the country, little sketch depicting the whole of England um now I've just said it live on Spotify I'm gonna have to do that because yeah. <laughs> I put it out there in the universe but yes um tell me I interrupted I got excited have you <laughs> I mean, this is what happens with people like us you just get so distracted yeah. up signing up for random stuff yeah yeah and funny enough I am reading a book by um an artist called Sasha Harding who walked the southwest coast path and her plan was to sketch and paint every day, and she took her dog. And now I'm reading her book, so I thought, oh, well, I've got a dog, and I like art, so I might have to do this as well. Um, yes. The funny thing is, she doesn't get to paint and sit and draw as much as she wanted to because she's so caught up in the walk, but she sort of accepts that that's a good place to be, and I think she, she takes more photographs and then does her paintings afterwards. But, yeah, it's an awesome book. Oh, um, 
Oh, oh that is inspiring. Yeah, thank you. I I would love that. I'd definitely um give it a read. I le- I read a lot of um de- accounts of actually mostly women that do do major walks. I'm reading one at the moment of a New Zealand lady who goes off into um the bush and basically lives there for a couple of years to get away from society she's a teacher it was really good I shall also send you that link and I'll put it in the footnotes for this episode as well so any of the listeners that feel inspired um can give it a listen um thank you so so much and this is your opportunity to just plug yourself so all your handles your Instagram your socials anywhere you want to send listeners to to um let them be able to see your stuff um yeah if you can share that with us now you don't have to but um, yeah so I, I only really appear on Instagram and Facebook and it's Sarah Hornby Art um, and yeah drop me a message if you'd like to take a look at my work and I'll also put that in the footnotes as well so you can follow along with Sarah's amazing work and thank you so much for sharing your story really interesting and super inspiring and now I feel like I need to like go do some crazy adventure so um, thanks for inspiring you me I always do I've got something on the cards so I've got things happening um but yeah anyone else out there please go and um make some time and maybe don't have so um tight plans so that you can say yes and and experience something new absolutely absolutely brilliant my absolute pleasure thank you and you enjoy the rest of your day thanks sarah Bye. bye bye